Father, uh, we thank you uh, for this morning, and uh, we thank you for uh, your word. And as we're uh, kind of uh, coming around uh, to the end of this uh, book of Hebrews uh, next Sunday, uh, I just pray that we would continue to be uh, inspired to, to follow you uh, more deeply. We thank you for Jesus. Uh, we thank you uh, for your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, life uh, requires perseverance. Uh, it, it does, amen. Uh, life, life requires a certain amount of perseverance and a certain amount of just plain grit. Uh, consider Steven Spielberg. Uh, his uh, movies have grossed uh, more than $9 billion. He's won three Academy Awards and he was rejected by the Southern California School of Cinematic Arts twice. Uh, rejected twice. Uh, as kind of a, oops, we really do believe in you. They've actually built a building in his honor at this point. But um, consider uh, Walt Disney. Uh, he was fired from his first job for not being creative enough. Uh, he lost the rights to his first character, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And uh, that eventually drove his first business into bankruptcy. Uh, he decided to, that he was going to make a full-length animated film. That was his next venture that he did, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. He ran out of money. Uh, he had to mortgage his house. He had to give up everything, and it eventually grossed $8 million, making it the most successful film of its day at, at that time. Uh, Edison is a real famous example of this, that he uh, failed to... Uh, make the commercial electric light bulb thousands and thousands of times. And he famously said, I have not failed. I've just found 9,999 ways that it won't work, right? Perseverance. Uh, consider Howard Schultz, uh, the founder of uh, Starbucks. Uh, it was very, very difficult for him uh, to get financing and to get investors to uh, buy into that. He was rejected 214 times uh, before somebody bought into the idea of Starbucks, and aren't you glad they did, right? No, some of you know. All right. All right, life requires perseverance. It just does. If you're gonna be the spouse God created you to be, if you're gonna have the family you were created to have, the career that you desire, perseverance is going to be required. This is one of those under-talked, kind of under-talked about values, I think, that, um, that, of how important perseverance is and running your race all the way to the finish line. I've heard some people say that they think perseverance and grit are even more important than IQ and family pedigree. Uh, that if your ability to persevere, your ability to show grit is more important than your IQ, you could be the smartest guy in the room. But if you give up easily, you're, you're never going to achieve your goals. You can have the greatest family name, Kennedy, whatever. You have the greatest family name, but without grit, you're going to find yourself giving up too soon. Life requires perseverance. Open your Bibles to Hebrews 12, because spiritually it's the same way, the writer of Hebrews is going to say. Grit and perseverance, spiritually speaking, in your relationship to God, grit and perseverance are not optional. They are required. Remember who the book of Hebrews is written to. It's written to men and women who had grown up Jewish, and at some point they decided to express their faith in Jesus. And many of these men and women were undergoing persecution and hardship as the direct result of their desire to become Christian. Some of them had lost their families who no longer wanted to spend time with them because they had crossed the line of faith and were following Jesus. Some of them had lost their businesses. Some of them had been imprisoned and, and tortured and, 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 and worse. It, it, was, it was very, very difficult for, for some of these early, early Christians that the writer of Hebrews is, is uh, writing to. And there are kind of two um, big ideas in the book of Hebrews. And one we've spent multiple weeks on. 
And uh, you, you saw it in the video. It is the idea that Jesus is greater. He's a greater priest. He brings a greater covenant built on greater promises. Jesus is greater. But the second theme that comes up right underneath that as the, as the book of Hebrews comes to a close is because Jesus is so great, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Persevere, continue to follow him. This is a book that is in part, probably uh, a quarter to even half of the book is about perseverance. It is about grit. It is about not giving up. So we're going to look at Hebrews 12. I'm going to read uh, the first 13 verses because I want us to have kind of uh, an eye in the sky on this text first, and then we'll get into to, to some of the sub points, right? Um, you, you might, if you uh, have read the book of Hebrews, you recognize this opening line, but he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, uh, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, we do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Not any child you want to be around, right? If you, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. God disciplines us for our good in, the, in order that we might share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and, and peace for those who have been trained uh, for it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So, he talks about that there are three categories in this text of things that we are called to endure and things that we are called uh, to persevere through. To endure and persevere are the two kind of language, uh, pieces of language this text uses. And category one is opposition from sinful men. Right? Jesus, Jesus has the example of this, that sometimes what you have to persevere is, is the opposition or the decision of a sinful man, that the sin of other people can affect us in very negative ways. Now, there's a 5,000 feet up kind of version of this truth, and then there's a day-to-day -day version of this truth. The way up high version of this truth is that when God created the, the Garden of Eden and he created man and woman, they were told they were free to eat from any tree in the garden, but they must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden or they will die. They'll bring death into the world. And Adam and Eve went ahead and they, they chose to eat that fruit. They sinned. And as soon as they did that, they ushered in this world that is a broken and fallen place. So we've all been affected by the sin, by, by their sin, that the world is a broken and fallen place. That, and sometimes our hardship comes as the result of that first sin and the sins that have been committed since. Bodies don't work the way that they should. 
Um, uh, the world doesn't work as, as it should. Uh, things are difficult, things are hard. So that's the up high version of that. The, the ground truth of this is that you may have had the sin of another person more directly in, impact your life that just to call it straight, you've just been hurt by somebody. Their sin hurt you. You may have been mistreated by someone. They, their sin hurt you directly. Someone sinned against you and it caused you pain and it caused you hurt. Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He endured the opposition of sinful men. And so one of the, the pieces of advice in this text, the persevering advice of this text, if you're enduring the opposition of a sinful man or woman, uh, the, 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 the uh, persevering advice in this text is consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from, from, from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So he says, if you're here today and somebody has sinned against you and somebody has hurt you and somebody's treated you the wrong way, his piece of advice for you and for me is consider him. Consider Jesus. So let's do that just for a moment. Let's talk about, let's consider Jesus who endured opposition from sinful men. What should we consider? Well, we could think about how he showed grace to his accusers. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. We could talk about how he showed grace to his accuser. We could, we could talk about how he stayed on purpose even despite the opposition, that he was being opposed and, and he continued to, to stay on purpose. But that's not what this text highlights. We could consider that. But this text points to a different thing to consider. And that's consider his victory. That Jesus, despite opposition, achieved victory. That the sinful men thought they had nailed him to a cross and they thought they had had the final word, but Jesus would be resurrected and his resurrection would have the final word. They tried to put him in a tomb and they thought the tomb was the final word, but Jesus rose in victory and his resurrection was the final word. And so Jesus brings victory. And, and the, text, the, the point of the text is that he brings victory to you as well. So consider him who endured opposition, and we're going to talk about this later, but he endured opposition, and now he's at the right hand of God. He achieved victory, and he will achieve victory for you as well. It may feel like sinful men and sinful women are winning. It may feel like they have the upper hand. It may feel like they're, they're going to they're gonna win the day, but Jesus and his resurrection that we'll be especially celebrating in two weeks assures that we have victory in him. So opposition from sinful men is the first category. The next category that's talked about in this text is hardship over our sin. That sometimes difficulty comes to us because of a choice that, that we made. That we uh, chose to tell the lie or we chose to cheat or have the affair and life got hard as, as the result of it. That um, this is a huge part of parenting and grandparenting. Because I know a lot of you grandparents are really involved with your, with your grandkids. That you're trying to get them to see that their choices have consequences. And, and that their, 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 their choices can, can lead to, to pain and difficulty. My, my son Sam cracked me up the other day because um, we'll let him have a little bit of screen time uh, while he eats breakfast. And uh, he had gotten into some trouble the night before, and we took away his morning screen time for, for the next day. And so he gets up in the morning, and I'm having my breakfast, and he comes downstairs, and he kind of comes out there, and he's like acting all sheepish and weird, you know? He's just kind of standing there, kind of, you know, you know, bouncing on his two legs or whatever. I'm like, you know, what's going on, buddy? Can I help you? And he goes, in a real quiet voice, he goes, can I watch something? And I said, you know that you can't. 
And, and he said, okay, and he walked into the other room, you know, just decided to take a swing at the ball, right? But this, this is part of, of what parenting grandparent is. It's, it's teaching uh, kids that sometimes you, you sin and consequences come as a result of it. So the persevering advice in this text for this is resist sin. Uh, resist it to the point of shedding your, your blood. And, and the images of, of Jesus who, before he went to the cross, actually sweated out blood, that, that, um, uh, that, that he, was, he was stressed about the situation and uh, that he'd even prayed that, that maybe the cup would pass from him. And he ended up going anyway. And sometimes we forget this part of Christianity. In the face of the incredible grace and mercy and forgiveness that we have received, sometimes we forget that sin is something to be resisted. Right? Sin is something to be resisted, that when we recognize that there is a sin in our life, that yes, we are forgiven and we receive grace upon grace upon grace when we fall short. But the, the, the encouragement of this text is, man, put your boots on, get into the war and start resisting. Uh, st- start putting a plan in, in, in place. And if the internet is bad for you, man, put up some web blockers or even, even more, consider not even having the internet in your home. Or if the relationship is becoming too flirtatious, take a different lunch, get, get in the game, do something different. If financially you're feeling tempted to do something, uh, ask for some help, ask for some accountability. But part of our persevering comes when we realize that a sin is hurting us and we say, I'm done. I'm done. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm done with this thing continuing to hurt me, continuing to destroy me, and I'm going to get into the war. I'm done just giving into this. I'm going to show some grit. I'm going to show some perseverance, and I'm going to wage war on this thing. And of course, you're not on your own. You're surrounded by a body of believers who wants to help you. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is not a just do this sort of message, but man, he's encouraging us to, to, get our, to get our guns and put on our boots and get in the game spiritually and to wage war on some sin. And then the last category, he kind of takes a turn about partway through here and he spends the rest of the text on this is one of the things that we're called to endure as Christians, and we're called to um, persevere through and uh, receive is God's discipline. And to be honest, when you read the text, you almost like squirm a little bit when, when you read it. It's like, is God's, God's discipline is something I should like endure and persevere? Is that really the right word for it? Well, what he's doing is it stands in contrast to the opposition of sinful men. That the opposition of sinful men, when you have to persevere through that, they're trying to hurt you. The opposition of, of sinful men is trying to, to hurt you. The discipline of your heavenly father is trying to save you. So, so this idea of enduring God's discipline, enduring hardship is discipline and, and persevering and enduring that is meant to stand in contrast to the actions of sinful men. Let me use the example of a knife, all right? Um, in, in, in one person's hand, a knife could be wielded to bring death, Right? I, I like to watch these murder mystery shows. My wife calls it the Slains Channel. Um, and uh, I like to watch some of those like, murder mysteries and all of that where somebody maybe used a knife and wielded it as a weapon. But in a surgeon's hand, that same knife could be used to bring you life. And that's the difference. Opposition of sinful men, they're wielding that thing as a tool to hurt you. Um, the God's discipline, he, he is a skilled surgeon who is trying to bring you Life And the text even goes so far as to say the way that you can know that you're a son or a daughter of God is that he disciplines you. 
That's one of the ways that you know that, that, that you're a son or daughter. He disciplines us. The text says for our good because he loves us. And so some of the hardship that we sometimes face is maybe God trying to get our attention or get us to walk down a different road. And if you have children or grandchildren, you understand this completely. Because hopefully you're disciplining those little, little boys and girls, right? Hopefully we're disciplining them because you want their character formed and strengthened and you want them to be the people that God created them to be. So you know, uh, you want to make sure they understand that lying is wrong. You want to make sure they understand that being unkind is wrong. And God is the same way. He disciplines us with the skilled, effective a surgeon. He disciplines us so that he can bring us life. He disciplines us because he, he, he loves us. And so there are three pieces of persevering advice when it comes to God's discipline. One is endure it. Endure hardship as discipline. That, that we're not gonna, when we go through a little bit of discipline, we're not gonna pack our spiritual backpack and, and leave. Right, when, when life gets the least bit difficult, we're not just giving up on God and, and walking away from him. We're gonna understand what God is doing through any hardship that, that he might be disciplining us. It might be the opposition of sinful men. It might be the result of our own sin. Uh, but we're gonna recognize that no matter what, God can do something with it because he loves us. The next piece of advice is respect the discipline. You notice what he says, moreover, uh, verse nine. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? That this idea of respect and submission, they are interchanged throughout the New Testament uh, because both submission and respect say, God, I'm deferring to you. God, I'm deferring to you and I'm trusting you. I want you to, to get me on the right path and I want you to point me in the right direction. It's an attitude that says, God, you are holy, righteous, and good. I want you to learn what you want me to learn. And then the last piece of advice is then you share in his holiness that you learn what he wants you to learn and you share in his holiness. This is what James says. He says, consider it, my, my, uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? Consider, that, that doesn't make sense. But then he goes on, verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance, let refusing to give up finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. Faith requires perseverance. It requires endurance. It is not for the faint of heart. And, and it may be, like I said, the action of a sinful person, our own actions, the discipline of loving God trying to get our attention, but faith requires it. It requires perseverance and it requires endurance. And this is the point of the great cloud of witnesses. When you read through, uh, hopefully you had a chance to read it this week. If not, uh, you can read it this week. Of go through that, that uh, uh, chapter right before where he's going through person after person of faith. And you can see that, man, faith does require perseverance. When you read the story of Moses, who had to deal with the, God's people grumbling in the desert, perseverance. Abraham had to deal with the uncertainty of knowing where God wanted him to go, perseverance. David had to deal with Goliath, a crazy king, and his own sin. Joseph was sold into slavery. Faith requires perseverance. It, it, it requires endurance. And we can go around this room right now, and every single person in this room, honestly, every single person in this room would have a story of something you're persevering through right now. Uh, for some of you, it would be a relationship story, Say, man, this, I don't know what's going on with this relationship, but it's kind of fallen apart and I have no idea what's going on. 
For some of you, it would be a financial story of perseverance. You're like, man, I lost everything in that business or that company robbed me blind or, or I'm just under financial stress right now. Perseverance story. For some of you, it's a health and body story where, man, I got sick or I got cancer and it's been really hard. And this is one of the things we learned from Hebrews 11. Put it up on the screen for you. Is that everybody's race is a little bit different. Everybody's race is a little bit different. Everybody is persevering something, but at what people are in this room are persevering. Everybody's race is a little bit different. Abraham's is different than Moses's. Moses's was different than, than Jesus. Everybody's race is different. And you know what I think is a struggle with this? Social media, uh, Facebook. I think it, because of that, because of social media, it is easy to begin to compare people's races. It's like, man, alive, I wish I had their race. Or I, I wish I had to endure what they have to endure. It seems, you know, I'd like to endure that paycheck. You know, I, I'd like to endure that house. I'd like to endure that marriage. And it becomes very, very easy to, to compare, um, uh, to, to compare uh, people's races because of that. I'll give you an example from this week. Uh, this week, if you're a Facebook friend with mine, I posted a video of uh, my son dancing to some music. And he just was going to town, just, and I got a video of it, which we've tried to get a video before and he'll usually stop, but I got a video of it, it was awesome. I said, I'm gonna post this thing, just full of joy, dancing. Three minutes after that video was posted, core meltdown over teeth brushing. <laughs> it is human nature. I'm not going to post a video of my son absolutely losing it because he has to brush his teeth. Right, the end of his world. I'm not going to post it. I'm going to post a picture of him dancing and having fun. And there's nothing insidious about that. And there's nothing wrong about it. But understand, everybody does that. Everybody's posting their happy moments. Everybody's posting their joyful moments. So don't compare what you have to endure to what they have to endure. Because you don't know. You don't know what their marriage is like outside of Facebook. You don't know what their finances are like outside of Facebook. You don't know what their family is like outside of Facebook. Understand, if you look around this room right now, understand every person in this room is persevering something. Every single person in this room is persevering something. And for some people, it's, it's a bigger deal than others, but everybody is persevering something. That brings us to the second truth. One is everybody has their race to run, but here's the second truth. We must run our race with perseverance. Everybody has their race to run, and everybody's race is different. That's what we don't have in common is everybody's race is different. What we do have in common is everybody needs to run their race with perseverance. Whatever race you have, whatever road you're on, here's my message to you today. Please don't give up. Please don't give up. Because you don't know what the road is like just ahead of you. Did you notice what the text says? Jesus endured the cross and is now at the right hand of God. Jesus endured the cross and is now at the right hand of God. You have no idea what the road is like just ahead of you. The, the greatest blessing could be just around the bend. The, the, the greatest thing in your life could be just around the, the bend. You don't know what sense of victory and what sense of blessing might be literally just ahead of you. And so please don't give up. Persevere and see what God has in store for you ahead. Because it's probably really, really cool. I was reading this week, somebody had sent me about... Um, how Hawaii was discovered. I don't know if you've ever read, uh, if you've ever been to Hawaii, but it's a really, really beautiful place. And, but if you ever look at a map, it's kind of like in the middle of nowhere. 
uh, in the middle of the ocean. You're like, how did anybody like discover Hawaii? And it was discovered by the Polynesians. And they started to notice that birds would fly in over the ocean uh, every single year. They'd fly in for a season and then they'd start to fly out. Like, well, those birds are coming from somewhere. They might, there must be some land out there. And so these Polynesians years and years ago, 1000 AD, decided, you know what we should do? Let's get in our canoes and follow the birds. And we'll see, we'll see where they're going to end up. And so they'd get in their canoes and they'd start paddling. And pretty soon the birds would get out of sight and they couldn't follow them anymore. And so they'd kind of remember where they were and they'd go back home and they'd wait a year. And the birds would come back and then they'd start in that location and the birds would go ahead of them and they're, you know, paddling the boat, following the birds. Do you know how many years this took? 400. The Polynesians did this, remembering where they left off. They did it for 400 years. They persevered for 400 years, but they found Hawaii. And aren't you glad they did? You have no idea what is just ahead of you. I'm telling you, you have no idea what is just ahead of you. So don't give up. Don't give in. And you have no idea what God is going to do inside of you, right? Sometimes we think about, about the, the destination, but you have no idea what's going to happen to you during the journey of what good things God is going to do inside of you. And this is one of the, the, the biblical kind of things about perseverance, is that while we're persevering, while we're, re, while we're refusing to give up, God does this thing on the journey. I, I remember uh, one of uh, our longest road trips ever was out to Yellowstone National Park and back. Uh, Cheryl and I drove out there uh, with her parents. And um, we thought Yellowstone was cool, but it, it wasn't our favorite place on the planet. We, we thought it was kind of cool, but what we always remember about that trip was the road trip. It, it was seeing a sign for a little uh, tourist attraction thing and just pulling over and doing it. It was Sam getting up and going and getting grandpa and grandma to go have breakfast or to go swim in the pool. The journey was the cherished memory. And you have no idea. We want to know where is this, where, what is my Hawaii is what we want to know. We want to know what is the blessing that's going to come. And, and maybe God is getting you to consider right now that maybe the journey isn't, maybe the end of the journey isn't the most important thing. Maybe the journey itself is the most important thing. And maybe while you're rowing your canoe toward Hawaii, he's going to strengthen your faith. Wouldn't that be a good thing? He's going to strengthen your character. He's going to deepen some relationship. He's going to bring you blessing upon blessing during the journey. Israel learned this as they were traveling to the promised land. That they, you know, the, you know God's life's out here to kill us. God's forgotten about us. And so God would bring them manna every day and water and all this stuff. God brought blessing upon blessing upon blessing as they were in the middle of the journey. So don't forget uh, don't forget about how important the journey is. And it's funny, there are many things that we need to persevere, persevere and endure and a lot of reasons why there's hardship and difficulty. There's never just one reason why there's hardship. There's multiple reasons, you know, opposition from sinful men, my own sin, sometimes the discipline of, of a loving God, all of those things, but there is one piece of advice. There's a lot of different reasons for hardship, but there's one kind of take-home point that the writer of Hebrews wants to remind us of, and I'll put it up on the screen for you. Stay faithful. In the middle of hardship, in the middle of difficulty, we stay faithful and we want to know why this is happening. I can't tell you pastorally how many times I've had that conversation. Why is this happening to me? And it's kind of relevant. I get why people want to know, but it's kind of not. Because the focus of this text is not why it's happening. The focus of this text is mainly what we should be doing in light of it. 
And you really can't go wrong with any piece of advice in this text for any of the reasons given, right? Considering him who endured opposition from sinful men, considering him is always the right thing to do. It's always the right thing to do. Confessing sin and turn, confessing sin to God and turning away from it is always the right thing to do. And enduring and persevering is always the right thing to do. And I think this is why the overarching theme of the text is don't give up by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You wanna know who perfected this? You wanna know who literally wrote the book on not giving up? It was Jesus. And so we fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now at the right hand of God. We fix our eyes on him, and his victory becomes our victory. He will give us, he will give you everything you need to run the race he has called you to run. I hope you believe that. He will give you everything you need to run the race he has called you to run. You need water, he'll get it to you. You need someone beside you to, 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 help, uh, to, to help you along the road, he'll give it to you. You need some encouragement, he'll give it to you. But we have to fix our eyes on him. He is the author and he is the perfecter of faith. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, who is indeed the author and perfecter of our faith. He literally wrote the book on it. And uh, Lord, we wanna fix our eyes on Jesus. And we want to remember that he achieved victory. That the sinful men who opposed him thought they had won. But he achieved the victory. And we know that if we'll fix our eyes on Jesus, victory will come to us as well. His victory is our victory. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand up? We're going to sing a song of invitation. And I'd love to pray with you. Um, and uh, we'll have a couple prayer people up here as well. Um, if you want to pray, if you're in the m- middle of kind of something that requires grit and perseverance and you just, man, I could use some prayer. We, we want to provide that for you. If you're interested in hearing more about this Lord and Savior Jesus, we'd love to talk to you about him as well as we sing this song.